It is good to see you guys this morning. Every single week, uh, we just see just a few more people coming back, so it's really cool to see that. So we're excited that you're here. We are finishing out a series that we've been in throughout the summer, and we've called it Joe Knows. We've been taking a look at the life of Joseph, the last real character in the story of the book of of Genesis, and we're going to jump into Exodus uh, next week. But Joseph is an amazing story, and Joseph deals with so many things. He He understands where we are, really. God takes him through a dysfunctional family, which many of you perhaps have have dealt with that. Uh, God takes Joseph through what it really feels like to be forgotten in a period of time in his life as he's incarcerated or working in a slave in a foreign foreign land. God takes Joseph through temptation. As we struggle with temptation in our life, Joseph experienced temptation in in a powerful way. And God takes uh, Joseph uh, through this uh, ability and this process to forgive his brothers for how they've wronged him, which so many of us in our relationship, we need to work through those steps of forgiveness as we, we take a look at that. And today, we're going to look at a part of Joseph's story that, to be really honest, we don't talk about uh, very much. But it's a very important part of Joseph's story. And we're going to talk about success today. And so maybe a little bit differently than what you might think, because Joseph's story is a story of success, regardless of what you think about Joseph. I mean, it's really rags to riches. Uh, Here is a guy who is stripped from his home, taken into a foreign land. He works as a slave. He ends up in prison and then finally ends up second in command in the most powerful, powerful country in the world. So, I mean, could we just agree that's a success story, isn't it? And so we're going to learn some principles from, from uh, Joseph's life because Joe knows success. And, and we have to, as we close this series out, we have uh, really stolen some branding for this series from Nike, this campaign that they did in the late 80s on Bo Jackson, Bo, Joe, uh, Bo knows, and Bo knew all these different things because he was a great athlete. So we just have to do this because we've had some fun. And this is my favorite Bo Jackson clip. And so as we close this series out, just forgive me. We, we have to watch this one if... if, if, if we just can't end the series without watching it. I don't know what you're doing. And you might look at this and say, well, what does this clip have to do with the message that you're going to talk about? Nothing. It has nothing. It's just a great, it's just a great clip. So let, let, let's roll this one here. And not talent. Orsalak licks that one to left center field. Bow won the charge. Bow is there. Yo, come on. Bow. Get up that wall. Bo knows exactly what he's doing. Spider-Man. <laughs> Bo knows exactly what he's doing. He just ran up a wall. Did you see that? I mean, I mean, the, I would have just ran right into that wall, right? Dropped the ball. It would have been terrible. And, and, and I love this clip because you can see Willie Wilson, who's a left fielder uh, there. His eyes are just like super huge. Like he just, he just ran up that wall. And so you see this powerful, amazing athlete. But as we, as we take a look at the life of Joseph, we really get a glimpse of what God could do in the life of a man or woman who's really fully surrendered to him. And, and just like that clip is an, is an amazing clip. But I, I believe we could live those kind of lives as we fully surrender to God and see what he wants to do in and through us because we certainly see it in Joseph's life. So let's talk about success because there are a lot of questions related to success and a lot of people talking about success. But the first question is, what, what is success? I think you kind of have to, you have to ask this, what does it mean to be successful? Because it means different things for different people. For some, it's finances and, 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 you know, doing well financially. For others, it's followers, how many folks are following you on Instagram. For some, it's appearance and, and how you look and how you're perceived, that's successful. Uh, for some, it's accomplishment, you know, power, prestige. 
So we, we have all these different things. But here's what I want to say. There are many people that can tell you how to have success in this world. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of folks that can tell you how to be successful. The problem is most people have a hard time keeping success. And there's not a lot of people talking about that or, more importantly, how to handle success. There isn't a lot said on how to handle success. And it is a lot easier, and that's why we're really looking at this today, it is a lot easier spiritually to deal with failure than it is to deal with success. Like nobody comes into my office to talk to me throughout the week that's saying, you know what, Pastor Brady, I just want to set an appointment with you because I got a promotion. Doing better. Hey, I just want to stop by and spend some time with you because my wife and I are in the best place we have ever been, and we really wanted to, to swing by and say that, you know? Nobody does. You know, the only time people come to see us is when the bottom falls out, right? But here's the point. It's easier spiritually to deal with failure because there's really only one way to look, but success is, is hard, Right? And, and so here, here's another question. How do you measure success? What, what things are most valuable to you? Because that's how we measure success. It's based on what you value and what, what I value. So it's different for people. Here's another question. How does God measure success? That's a pretty good question. And, and, and what we're going to see is many times God measures success very differently than we do. Here's another question. Some of you are like, Kind of wanted to sit here, and maybe you were going to tell us some things. Now all you're doing is asking, asking questions. But, yeah, this is probably going to generate more questions than it does answers, but it's good to think about that. Here's a question. Are you a success? You think about your life. Do you feel successful? I think what you might see today is some people might have come in here and, and answered this question, no, I don't feel a success. But then when we see how God values success, you might think, you know what? Yeah, I feel, feel differently about that today. I hope that happens for somebody. But we're going to look at three things today in the life of Joseph, just three things about success that I think are really important I think you need to know. And they're not necessarily the easiest things to talk about. So let, let's just go ahead and get started. You guys ready? Let's go ahead and deal with this because Joseph really knows success. Now, here's the first thing that I think everybody needs to know. And, and it's important that I say this. Because I think most people expect preachers to say this, that we're anti-people having success or anti-money or anti-accomplishments. No, I want you to be as successful as God has uh, for you to be. I just want you to be able to enjoy it and handle it, right? So it's not anti-success. And, and many times I think we talk to our kids and we want our kids to be successful. I certainly want my kids to be successful, but I want them to understand some principles on how to handle success because very few people know how to handle success. Here's the first thing you need to know know about success. Success is dangerous. I'm not saying success is bad. I'm just saying success is dangerous. And you need, and you need to understand that. And, and when, something, when something is dangerous, there, there needs to be some more guardrails, some more rules. My, my, my granddaughter, who is amazing, we've never seen a young uh, female child with this much potential in our life. It's really unbelievable. She's going to be a success. But she's just started walking you ever, you ever been around a, a kid when, when they first start walking? It's like they're just, just trying to kill themselves. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. I mean, everywhere they go, like, what are you doing? I mean, so we have to move. I mean, it's dangerous when they first start walking. So we have just a lot of rules in our house. When, she, when she's coming over, we go on 30 minutes before she arrives, we totally have to move everything out of our house. It's exhausting when she gets there because it's dangerous, right? And so here's what I would say about success. We so want our kids to be successful. We so want to be successful. But what nobody prepares us for is really the danger of success. Can I tell you, Joseph was in more danger when he was on the pinnacle than when he was in the pit. 
And you say, what, is that? what do you mean? When Joseph, uh, as a 30-year-old man, was second in charge in all of Egypt, he'd taken on an Egyptian name. He, he had taken the Egyptian culture. He was super wealthy. He had a powerful position. He was in more danger than when his brothers placed him in the pit, and he didn't know whether he was going to live or die because we're always in more danger at the pinnacle than at the pit. Nobody really wants to talk about that, but it's true nonetheless. There are just a lot of examples of successful failures in our culture today, aren't there? Think about this. A ton of successful failures. I don't know if you know the story of William Budd Post, and we could have, we could have taken a bunch of these. There's a, a tons written on lottery winners and, the, and the, the problems they have with this, but William Budd Post is an interesting story. He won 16.2 million dollars. That's some change, isn't it? $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania State Lottery. But less than 365 days later, this guy was in over a million dollars of debt in less than a year. The Washington Post did a story on William Post, and here's what he said. I wish that would have never happened to me. He said, it was a nightmare. He said this, I was much happier when I was broke. And we sort of disregard that. Now, look, now, now I'll just be honest with you. Amy and I, we've been broke. We, we qualified for government assistance. I've told you guys we gave people WIC cheese, the government cheese. Uh, we, got, we had extra of that for Christmas one year. That was a great gift to families, right? That's, that's how we were rolling. She married a high roller. And so that was that first year. So I have, I have grown up, I mean, I have, in our marriage, we've had virtually nothing. And, and now more than I deserve, I'll tell you that. I like this better than that, to be honest with you. I would just be, you know what I'm saying? But that isn't what really defines us. But there are successful failures in business. In the news now, obviously, Jeffrey Epstein, Bernie Madoff. In entertainment, we grew up with Bill Cosby, my generation did. Like, he was America's dad, right? What about Charlie Sheen, a gifted actor? But the rails have come off. Macaulay Culkin, remember Home Alone, right? Childhood actors and actresses like Lindsay Lohan, successful failures in sports from Tiger Woods to Lance Armstrong. Example of example of successful failures. Why is that? Here's a very important thing. Let's look at this. Very important. Worldly success. Listen to what I'm about to say. Worldly success is dangerous. Here's why. Because it breeds pride and independence. That's why worldly success can be so dangerous because it breeds pride. Like, look what I've done. And independence, I don't need anything. I got this. And there, those two things can be as devastating for you spiritually as anything in your life. That's why the Bible says God opposes the proud but offers grace to the humble. You show me a prideful man or woman, an independent, self-directed man or woman, I'm, I'm going to show you a train wreck that's coming. And, and worldly success will breed those things. Worldly success tends to breed distractions, right? Distractions because when we have more, we tend to accumulate more. We get more things, and we think we have those things, but those things quickly begin to have us. I've noticed that even in my life. The more that we have, the more that those things tend to have us, and the more I am distracted away from really being focused on the Lord and what He would have for me, right? Worldly success will breed this, it will breed insecurity. Because when you rise to the top, many times you think everybody is after you, after your position, after your wealth, and so you can't enjoy it. 
So that's why this is a very dangerous, dangerous thing. What I'm about to say, no one will say amen to it. This will be my third time to preach this message over the course of this weekend. Nobody's writing any books on this. And if you were watching online, you'd click off and you'd watch somebody else who say something, said something different here. Sometimes God's greatest blessing to us is withholding worldly success. Because if we got it, it would shipwreck our lives, our families, and our faith. But we live in a culture today, when you ask people how you're doing, I hear this more than anything else, I'm blessed. Do you know what that means by most people? That financially they're doing well. A financial windfall in your life is not necessarily a blessing of God. It may just be the opposite. It could be a tool of the enemy that can be used to shipwreck your faith and your family and your life. Now, again, I knew there wouldn't be any amens because nobody really wants to hear that. But it's true. Again, I'm not anti-success. I just want us to be able to handle it. And if you're going to handle it, you have to understand that success is, is, is dangerous. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from the 1800s, said this, more men have perished by fullness of bread than ever died of hunger. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? He says more people have died by too much than not enough. Now, here it is. Here's one of the most important things I want to say today, and, and please, I want you to lock in because, again, what we see in Joseph's life is we see a rags-to-riches story, right? We see a guy who has success. Would you agree with that? Could somebody just nod? That would help me. When you're second in command in the most powerful nation in the world, that's success, my friend. And it, it came with all the benefits, but he handled it so well. Why? Because of who had a handle on him. But look at this. If your success in any area of your life, if your success in any area of your life outpaces your spiritual growth, the results will always be catastrophic. Let me say that to you again. Listen, listen, listen. If your success in any area of your life outpaces your spiritual growth, the results will always be catastrophic. Let me, let me show you this uh, wooden stake bucket. Do you, do you have one of these? Is anybody have these, a planter in their house? I mean, you, you, you got, you know, put a plan in there. These old wooden stake buckets I think are kind of cool. I've always been a fan of them. Never understood how they were able to, to hold water. But anyways, they did. These wooden stake buckets, you understand all these stakes, same size, and they're just bound together with this uh, metal ring here. But I want, to, I want you to think about this for just a second. Wonder if each one of these wooden stakes here represents a different part of your life and a different part of my life, right? Wonder if we said if one, one of these stakes represents our professional life. Does that make sense? Your career, your professional life. Wonder if one of these stakes represented your relationships that you have in your life. Is that... Does that make sense? Well, wonder if one of these stakes represents your, your hobbies or activities. Wonder if these stakes represented all the different areas or the different parts of our lives, right? Now, let me just turn this bucket around because obviously these stakes represent our spiritual life. And if your spiritual life doesn't keep pace with these other areas of your life, where is the water going to run out of this bucket? Yeah, this wasn't a trick question here, right? I mean, this is pretty easy. It's the lowest stake, right? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Could you see? I mean, it's the lowest stake where the water's going to run out. Some of you are like, man, that's why I come here, because you blow my mind. <laughs> like, I did not see that one coming. That is heavy, bro, really heavy stuff. Go over that with me one more time. It's the lowest. Write that down, hon. That's true, isn't it? Right? It's just the lowest stake. That's where the water's going to run out. And so here, here it is pretty clearly. If your spiritual life isn't leading, 
You can be successful, and you may be successful for a season. You just won't be able to handle success, and it won't stay, right? Because this is really what Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Once you focus on this first, you'll be able to have all the rest. But if you focus on all the rest and your relationship with me is diminished, you won't be able to keep any of it. That's what so many people experience. Now, so first of all, what do we say about success? Success is dangerous. And you just need to know that, right? It's way easier to be dependent upon the Lord when we're in the pit than we are on the pinnacle. And some of you, you may move into a season of success in your life, unprecedented success. Will you be able to handle it? Number two, success is, and this is, this is, this is certainly Christianity 301. This is master's level stuff. Success is spiritually produced, right? Now, let's see this in the life of Joseph. Let's look at a couple passages. Genesis chapter 39. Some of you are like, we're finally looking at the Bible, right? Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Look at this. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him. So Joseph, is, 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 he's sold on the open market. He's a commodity, Right? He's traded, he, he, he's bought, he's enslaved in this military man's house. But look what it says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. You see, again, I, here's what we've said throughout this story. This, this story isn't about Joseph being the hero. This story is about what God does when somebody yields to him. Do you see that? Don't miss that. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Why did Joseph prosper? Why? Because God was with him. That's what the Bible says. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So here's the thing. You can be in difficult circumstance and difficult situations, and God can still do a great work in and through you, right? Surely that happened in, in, in Joseph's life. Verse 3, um, our, our, the Lord was with Joseph. Let me reread verse 2. So that he prospered. He lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now let's look at verse 3. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in most of what he did, everything he did. I mean, the Bible is crystal clear here. Who gave Joseph success? The Lord gave Joseph success, right, in everything that he did. Now, in, in case you think that was an outlier, let's just look on down in the very same chapter in verse 21. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So now Joseph is not in Potiphar's house. He's in prison. Where is God? God is still with Joseph. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those who held in, in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. Look at verse 23. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Can I just give you something free here today, especially for young people here? Especially. You want a secret to success? You see it in Joseph's life over and over and over. You be faithful with the little things and God will give you more. Joseph plays that out all the time. Joseph is never a victim, right? He gets placed in some pretty difficult circumstances and some pretty uh, uh, desperate circumstances, but God's still with him, and he's just faithful with what's right there in front of him. If you be faithful with a little, God will give you more. Do you believe that? Joseph's life screams that, right? We see that. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph, and here it is again, and gave him success in whatever he did. Two times in the very same chapter, it says the exact same thing. It's almost as if God's trying to get our attention, isn't it? It's so clear that, that God gives Joseph success. So what are we seeing? Success is always spiritually produced. True success is always spiritually produced. Now, look on down at chapter uh, 41, a couple, couple chapters over. Chapter 41, verse 38. So Pharaoh asked them. This is after Joseph interprets uh, his dream. 
And, and you remember Joseph said there's going to be seven years of abundance and there's going to be seven years of famine, so we've got to get ready for the famine coming. And Pharaoh says, we better get ready for the famine coming. Look what we do. Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh says, we need to hire somebody, but we need to hire somebody who's like this guy who has the Spirit of God. Right? Here's what's interesting about Joseph. All of these pagan people who are around him, they see the evidence of God at work in his heart and his life. That is so challenging to me. I wonder if it's challenging to you. How many people in your professional life, in your social life, just that you interact with, are, 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 are seeing the very presence and power of God in your life and calling that out? They certainly did in Joseph's life. Now, here it is. Watch this. Watch this. Here's what we learn. Success is learning. Now, you're going you're gonna to look at me a little confused here, and I'm going to spend some time trying to explain this because this is so important, right? Success is always a matter of learning to bear, not produce. This is counterintuitive, right? This is different than the way you grew up. And this is different from what has really been true for you in so many areas of your life because we think anything we're going to have, we got we to gotta go get it, right? But true spiritual success is learning to bear instead of produce. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, let's let Jesus tell us what this means. I think that's a great thing to do, don't you? Because I think in, in John chapter 15, let me give you some homework this afternoon. John chapter 15 would be a great chapter if you want to learn more about really bearing success instead of trying to produce. You, anybody here exhausted? Anybody here worn out? Anybody here frustrated? Anybody here disappointed? So many times we don't understand what it's like to bear fruit. We're just constantly trying to produce. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus Jesus said, I am the what? I'm the vine and you're the branches. Most people, most unsuccessful people, they never figure this out because they flip it. They're the vine and God's the branch. We keep him around when we need him, right? But I mean, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you know what he's saying? I'm the source. I mean, let's go back to biology 101. What does the vine have? The vine has the sap, right? It feeds the branch. And then produces the flower and the fruit. Jesus said, I'm the source. You're not the source. That's the problem with success is success, worldly success, quickly makes us think that we're the what? We're the source. I'm the source. Jesus said, no, you're not. And some of you don't necessarily agree with that. Some of you are like, yeah, you know what? If, if, if I could just have you sit down for just a second, I could talk about my career and I could talk about what all I've accomplished and how hard I've studied and how hard I've worked and, and here's what I have. And, and it, it seems like that was, that was on me. Can I tell you something, just because just, I don't have a, a lot of time, just about you and just about me? You don't take another breath unless God gives it to you. You say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, tell him you don't agree with that. Anybody willing to roll dice there? <laughs> I'm out. How about you? That's really true. You don't take another breath. I mean, where do you think the ability to study and the intellect and the hard work and all of that, where do you think that came from? He's the source, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches. Listen to what Jesus says. If you remain in me, that word remain is a very detailed Greek word. Uh, it means to, in some places it might be translated in your Bible as abide. It means to set up camp. It means to pitch your tent. It means to stay completely connected and dependent on me. If you remain in me, if you would set up your camp, if you would build your life around my presence, watch this, and I and you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus says, I want you to be successful. Here's how you're successful. Remember that I'm the vine, you're the branch. 
You set up camp in me and watch what I do. He, he doesn't say you'll produce fruit. What will you do? You'll bear fruit. So what is your responsibility? Stay in his presence. What is your responsibility? Depend upon him. Trust him. Obey him. And that's how we're dependent upon him. And then what happens? He begins to do in you what you could never do in your life. Do you see that? That's the secret of the Christian life. It's not producing it. It's just bearing it. And it takes time. Listen, over time, if you would stay in the presence of the Lord Jesus, he would begin to produce in and through you what you could never produce on your own. Isn't that exciting? Boy, it's exciting to me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I am you, you will bear much fruit. Look what he says. Look at the converse of that. Look at this. He says, apart from me, you can do what? Jesus, just a little more clarity on that. What are you really getting at? Jesus said, you live like the vine very quickly. You're not going to produce anything. You may have a measure of success for a season. You just won't be able to handle or hold it. So successful people, watch this. Successful people live with spiritual dependency right? You know, if I was going to write a book, which I'm not, on success, but I would say this, success, what, what does it take to be successful? A person is spiritually dependent upon the Lord. They're spiritually aware. They're aware of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that, that lives inside of them. Do you understand this? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity dwells inside of you. A successful person is dependent on the power of the Lord, aware of the power of the Lord, and sensitive. Boy, that's a great thing. Sensitive to the power of the Lord. Meaning the Scripture says we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? I'm losing some of you guys. You guys still with me? Yeah. So those are, those are a part of it. Let me just summarize. Let me just make it easy. Let me give you the cliff notes of what I've just said. Successful people feed the Spirit and starve the flesh. You want to be successful? Learn how to feed the Spirit of God and starve the flesh, and you will begin to bear the fruit of God in your life in your marriage, in your relationships with your children, in your professional life. Now, let's close it up. Some of you are like, wow, that seemed quick. Well, not, not so fast. This, this is, success is, what does Joe know? Success is dangerous, right? We've got to be aware of that. It's not bad. It's just dangerous. Success is spiritually produced. And then finally, success is a platform. I would say it another way. Success is always a platform, not a throne, See, we think success is a throne. We think we, we think we are accumulating and having things that we can live like a king. No, success has always been a platform, not a throne. Genesis chapter 41, verse 15, Joseph understands this. Man, I love this. Let me set this up. You guys still with me? I know it's almost time to go, but watch this. This will help you. This is a principle I guarantee you can apply in your life this week. I guarantee it's so easy to apply in your life this week. Watch what Joseph does. Genesis chapter 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. Now let's stop for a second. This dude has been enslaved and in prison for 13 years total. And now it's his time. He gets a chance to stand in front of the most powerful man in the world. Joseph's like, okay, I'm going to get mine. Wouldn't you think that way? I would. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one could interpret it. Pharaoh was in a tight spot. In other words, Joseph had him right where he wanted him, right? This guy's got needs. I got the goods. Pharaoh said, I've heard it said about you that whenever you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Listen to this dude's response. Now, again, 13 years, been living as a slave and living in prison. The time it took from birth to middle school for you, right? That's a tough run, isn't it? Listen to what Joseph says. When he's got his chance, when he's got a chance to bring it to him, what does he say? I can't do it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied. 
But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Do you know what successful people do? They always deflect praise. Successful people always deflect praise. I mean, Joseph says, no, you heard wrong. I can't, but God can do it through me. You see, because let me tell you something about praise. If praise sticks, if praise sticks, it'll start to rot your soul. Praise that sticks will rot your soul because, listen, success has always been a platform to bring God glory, not for your personal gain. Can, can I just be real clear? Here's the only option that we have in life. You will either live this life for God's glory or you will live this life for your gain. That's really the only option. And Joseph deflects that praise to God. Successful people understand why they are where they are. Listen, everyone in this room, God has given you a measure of influence. Do you know why you have it? It's probably different from what you think. It's a platform, not a throne. I mean, Joseph understands it. Look at Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph talking to his brothers after he's reunited with them, after what they did is they sell him out as a slave. And Joseph said, you intended to harm me. Again, just a reminder, what you did, bad move. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done for the saving of many lives. What does Joseph understand? I'm where I am. It's a platform. This is an opportunity. So then don't be afraid, he says to his brothers. I will provide for you and for your children. Joseph understands I'm here to be in a position to serve you in a powerful way. Understand why I'm here. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What is success? Success is living for God's glory, not merely my gain. Can I ask you a question? This is a tough question. Have you been viewing the success that you have in your life as a throne or a platform? Can I ask you again? Have you been viewing the measure of success that God has given you as a throne to serve you or as a platform to serve others. Joseph got that. Let's close it up and finish up today. Last thing I would say about successful people, successful people are truthful. Like we live, so many people are talking to me today. Why, why don't you talk about what's going on in our culture? Why can't we hear from you about what's going on in our culture? Can I tell you something? Our culture's in a mess. You know why our culture's in a mess? It's because the church has been in a mess for a long time. As the church goes, the culture goes. That's just the way it is. I, I, can't, I can't fix what's out there. I think we are responsible for what's in here. And for the last 20 years, we have been telling people what they wanted to hear instead of what they need to hear, right? That's why the culture's messed up. But successful people are truthful. Can we go back to a story in Joseph's life just real quickly? I'm going to anyways. Do you remember when he's in jail and the cupbearer comes to him and says, I've been having some, I've been having some bad dreams, Joseph, and I kind of heard something about you. Can I tell you my dreams? Joseph says, sure. The king's cupbearer tells him his dream, and Joseph says, easy, got that. God already told me what it is. In three days... You're going to be raised up. You're going, to, you're going to get your old job back. It's going to be all good. Don't worry about it. Cupbearer's like, sweet, and it happens. Now, the baker is back there, right? He, he, he got thrown into jail. Now, the baker is a little different. I mean, he'd obviously done something wrong. It was just taking Pharaoh a little bit of time to sort out who was wrong, right? So he knows. But he sees that the, he sees that the interpretation goes well for the cupbearer. So he says, Joseph, you have, have, have a second before you leave. I've been having dreams too. And here's my dream. He tells him his dream. You know what Joseph says? Bad news. 
He says, king's going to call you out in three days, and he's going to cut your head off. He's going to feed it to the birds. Now, that's a tough interpretation, isn't it? We might let that ride, right? If we knew that, we'd like, man, I don't know. It's fuzzy. Dude, I don't know. It seems like I, it's not clear. I, I, I don't know. It's like I see some, no, that can, I don't know. It seems, should be fine. Joseph understands that successful people tell the truth. They have the courage to tell the truth because they, they tell people what people need to hear, not what they want to hear. This passage has been messing me up all week. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 8. Now is my chance to mess you up with it, right? That's what I'm doing. When I say messing me up, it has been challenging me. Can I say it that way? It has been challenging me. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, he's an Old Testament preacher, and God's speaking to him. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, God says, when I speak about what's right and people turn away from that, they will surely die. But then he's got some for Ezekiel. He says, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin, Ezekiel. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. Wow. That's challenged me in a fresh new way to be truthful, to be courageous enough to be truthful with, with you. Here's what I think's wrong with our country. I think the church has been valuing the wrong things for a long time. I think the church has valued the wrong things for a long time, and we've called it success. It's not. It's not. And now it's getting exposed because we're seeing the fruit of that. Because we haven't been courageous enough to share the truth. People like me have told you what you want to hear instead of being courageous enough to share with you what you need to hear. Can I tell you what success is? I think success is hearing the six most important words in life. I think success is hearing the six most important words in life. You know what the six most important words in life are? Do you know what the six most important words in life are? Well done, good, help me, and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Build your life around that. That's what success is. Because let me tell you something. One day you're going to stand in front of him, and one day I'm going to stand in front of him. And more than anything else, more than all that I can accomplish and acquire and have, what I want more than anything else is to hear those six words. What about you? Jesus says it this way. This is strong. Matthew chapter 16, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? That speaks, doesn't it? You don't have to say anything on the other side of that. You don't need any commentary on that, right? Jesus said, what good is it? Gain everything the world 
says you need, gain it all. What good would it be if you could gain it all and then forfeit your soul? That's a failure. That's a failure. Are you right now, can I ask you, are you trading temporarily, temporary worldly success for eternal failure? You see, success is not what you know. Success has always been about who you know. You see, success is not what you accomplish. It has always been about what he accomplished for you. You see it? What do you want? Do you want to have a measure of success in this world? Do you want to have your moment on the stage, come what may, and forfeit? an eternity in his presence, I'm out. How do you define success? You got to answer that. How do you define success? Because maybe you've been chasing the wrong things the wrong way. Father, would you help me see it as you see it? Father, today... Even as we're praying in this moment, there are people here who even though they have a measure of success in this world, there is no satisfaction. They have valued the wrong things. But Father, it's the good news of the gospel that you have always valued them and you sent your best to redeem them, to buy them back. And Lord, today my prayer is that folks here in this room, some for the first time, would put their trust in you as their Savior and Lord and leave here a success. Because, Father, to walk out here rejecting you is to walk out here a failure. Would you teach us what it means to be successful? Could you remind us that Success is dangerous. Could you remind us that success is always spiritually produced? And when you allow us to have a measure of success, it's always so it can be a platform and not a throne. Would you burn those truths into our heart and our mind? In Jesus' name, amen.